0: Hi, everybody. My name is Remy. Welcome to the For The Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. Your hostess of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. All right, I'm going to say this straight up. I am super sad to end this series. We've been for the love of faith groundbreakers, and we've been talking to some of the smartest, bravest leaders who are walking new roads and showing us so, so many amazing ways to look at God, to look at ourselves. I'm just I have learned so much, and I've been so engaged. With these leaders and thinkers, you have too, by the way. Your feedback to us on this series is like through the roof. Um, so thank you for letting us know like what's resonating with you and who you loved and what you're learning. Like we live for that feedback, you guys. Thank you for um, telling us that. That's so helpful for us in the future. But this is our last episode in the series, and let's just say we are going out. On a high note here, Uh, we are super lucky to have on the show today, Lecrae Moore. You know, most of us simply know him as Lecrae. And he is this prolific writer and rapper and activist and this voice of conscience. He is probably one of the most unique trajectories of any artist I've ever seen. Uh, he, He manages to fuse together some of the most thoughtful, like lyrics and sounds with his faith. And the result is just, I mean, it is so amazing. Um, obviously his albums have produced an entire shelf of awards, two of which are called Grammys you may have heard of those. Uh, watched him soar on Jimmy Fallon. That was so much fun. And then uh, we're going to talk a lot about this. I've just been so moved by a lot of his op-ed articles and really thoughtful posts across social media about the disastrous effects of systemic racism. I mean, he is really using his voice in powerful ways. Um, He's also a really proud husband and father of three. And we're going to hear all about that. And look, let me just tell you something. I cannot impress my kids ever. They're uninterested in virtually everything I put my hand to. But right after I finished (laughs) this interview with Lecrae, my son, Ben came in, he had just gotten off the bus and I still had my headphones on. And he said, who'd you interview? And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I just got off the phone with Lecrae and he was like, Bro. So I just want to say that I earned points today in my own home um, because I got to talk to one of my son's artistic heroes um here's what you're going to find out when you hear this interview he is amazing like we go in you guys we're going in we're going in on some hard things some hard conversations um we're going to talk about racism and white supremacy we're going to talk about artistry and creativity we're going to talk about depression and pulling forward um so it's all in here this is a fabulous fabulous conversation and I am so happy to bring it to you. So welcome the brilliant and the talented and the wonderful LeCrae. Okay. So Lecrae, welcome to the for the Love <laughs> podcast. I'm so happy to meet you finally.
1: No, I, sincerely like, I mean, I just know you from social media, but right. that's enough for me.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just um we have, you know, tons of friends in common, we have tons of crossover, and it just yeah. seems unfair that it's taken this long um, to finally connect, but I'm so pumped to have you on the show. Thank you for saying yes to this invitation and squeezing it in, in the middle of your road trip. Where are of you course. going, by the way? Where are you on the road?
1: Uh, coming from Atlanta to North Carolina and back to Atlanta. So, nice. You know, yeah.
0: Nice. A little spring in the Southeast. It's a, that's yeah. a good time to do it.
1: Oh, it's been great.
0: So, uh, my listeners know who you are and I filled in the rest of them for, with a little bit about your, you and your story. But, um, if you'll just sort of indulge me, I wonder, I wonder if we can kind of roll back to the beginning for a minute and sure. trace your path forward. Cause you have a pretty powerful story that I want everybody to hear. Um, can you tell my listeners just a little bit about your earliest years, um, where you're from, who was in your family and what life was like when you were little?
1: yeah so um yeah i was born in houston texas uh my my family's originally from houston texas um a little area called third ward which is uh it's not the same as it was Mm. quickly become a a gentrified area so if you ever go visit it probably won't look like it did then but um uh we moved around as a kid my mom and my dad uh did not stay together and um and so she was a single parent and we moved uh just based off of the family that could kind of support us yeah. at the time and so we ended up in uh in Denver and San Diego mm. and it was just a uh, it was a journey you know living mm. in a single parent home my mom was doing the best that she could of course I was introduced uh, to masculinity and manhood mm. from a lot of family and friends who were um, you know teenagers honestly right. 19, 20 years old so they were involved in gangs and drugs and the whole nine um but i had a very resilient mom who was passionate about education and Mm -hmm. really kind of you know uh wanted me to read and get invested into understanding who i was as a young black man in america yeah and um and so she did the best that she could possibly do to make sure that that happened Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's been uh it's been an amazing journey thus far i mean that's kind of the the short short version
0: were there any indications back then that you'd be doing what you are doing today?
1: No, no, yeah. no, no, not at all. I mean, I was, I was rapping, you know, I was, I was making music, yeah. but, um, but I never would have imagined that I would have made it to this level, you yeah. know, uh, going down the roads that I've gone down. That's been, you know, pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. It's pretty amazing to watch. I think one of your strengths and you have a lot, um, is the, the way that you are able to view the world through multiple lenses that are all real and all true at the same time. A man, a husband and dad, African-American, a Christian in America right now. Um, So you're this real unique blend of cultures and experiences. Um, I wonder, like, I'm curious, where is the place or is there a place where you feel like this, I'm home? This is the place I'm home. Mm,
1: I don't know. That's a great question. I mean,
0: you just have so much crossover, and some of it's some of it's not not conflicting, but it's definitely different.
1: Yeah, um, you know what? I would say um, I I'm really home in a multitude of different places. When I'm thinking through home, I think through places with with people like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're understanding. Different vantage points of right. being a Christian, but then also, you know, navigating uh, the world and, and navigating culture in the unique ways that we have to navigate culture, and then, yep. of course, then then hip hop culture doesn't quite understand who I am as a Christian, but exactly. they understand like the the world that I come from and appreciate uh, artistically. So that's just a unique kind of dynamic. Yeah, it
0: is. I mean, you're kind of in a rare category. Um, where at any given moment somebody in the room doesn't quite get you all the way; they get half of you or they get part of you, um, and you have you've really threaded the needle with a lot of integrity. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not easy. It, I I think sort of the the call on your life and the places that you are in. It's, this is just it's not an easy road to hoe, and it's really been fascinating to watch you do it. Um, one thing that you've said. Uh, you said that you wanted to reclaim the humanity of hip hop in light of your faith, take it back to its roots and use it as a tool for social change. That's something that you said. In fact, you've got this very brilliant, brilliant TEDx talk on this topic and listeners look, I'm going to link to it because it is the best 18 minutes you're going to spend on the internet. Um, so in that talk. You, you sort of show how our, our cultural lenses color the way we look at practically everything, uh, which goes for rap as well. Um, and so what you said was that while so much of rap maybe today glorifies you know, criminal culture or misogyny, it wasn't always that way. And so I wonder if you can tell us your take on the roots of the genre and what it is specifically that you are looking to reclaim and how you have been able to use it as a tool for social change in your world, kind of in your sphere of influence.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, hip hop music is, you know, obviously it was a birth out of a uh, disenfranchised and marginalized kind of black and Hispanic um, kids in New yeah. York City and, and it became like the Griots, the 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 voices of a community, because there were new the, the news channels would not talk about the things going on in their communities, and so right. this began became a way of talking across communities, almost like uh, the beating of a drum to communicate yeah. across communities. And so when you would begin to listen to the music, uh, maybe you live in Los Angeles, but um, you're hearing these these people talk about things in New York, and you're like, okay, this this yeah. is similar to what I dealt with and what right. I was experiencing. Um, and so you're able to, to see, you know, kind of what's happening in these different cultures and you can speak to it. And that's what I've been able to do is say, Hey, let me speak to the things that are going on, um, specifically for you in the, in and culture,
0: Yeah. And you have, and you've pioneered really. I mean, that's what you've, you've done. And I know there are um, younger artists kind of coming behind you in your wake. You've been some sort of lead blocker to essentially create a genre, um, which is it's no small feat to lay paver stones in the wilderness, you know, just to say, I'm going to lay this down. It wasn't here, um, but going to put it down. And it's been, really exciting, um, to watch how much enthusiasm just gathers around you and your music and your message. Hey guys, Jen jumping in for just a quick sec to talk about one of our new sponsors. Now, if you were like me shopping, fashion can bring on a bit of dread. You know I'm telling the truth. Whether it's clothing or beauty products or accessories, it is a lot and I don't like it, which is why I literally love FabFitFun. FabFitFun, it allows women to discover new products with a seasonal subscription box. It's delivered four times a year with absolutely full size. And I say that because some of these subscription services are these little tiny mini um, sort of samples These are full-size beauty, fashion, home, fitness, wellness products. And this is the craziest part. It's $49.99 a box. You just cannot even believe how much is in this. Every single box is guaranteed to have over $200 in retail value. It's like getting a surprise gift to yourself like once a quarter. Um, In one shipment, I open up the boxes and I might get this fabulous new pair of sunglasses um, or a really awesome piece of jewelry or this delicious body scrub, which I just got. Um, In fact, the 2019 spring box has so many cool things. What a good way to discover um, new brands, new products, stuff you might not have tried otherwise. so cutely packaged. I mean, you will just be like happy clappy when it gets to your to your house. So use the promo code FTL to get $10 off your first box. So again, that is over $200 for only $39.99. So it's fabfitfun.com and use my code FTL to get $10 off your first box. All right, back to our show guys. Over the past few years, I have, um, deeply, not just admired, but just related to the way that you've used your voice um, to call out racial injustice and just this lingering white supremacy in our country. Mm. And so you've written, you've written several op-eds in billboard, every one of them poignant and well-written. You're just a really gifted writer. But the one that you wrote about the, uh, the shooting at Mother Emanuel Mm -hmm. Um, was maybe one of the most eloquently written breakdowns of systemic racism in the U.S. I've ever read, and I've read a lot. And it's a hard conversation to have. I'm thinking about you specifically with what is largely, for you, a white audience, right, unaccustomed to hearing that narrative, um, Mm -hmm. to hearing that call out, um, to hearing that push against, um, you know, a culture that has always served them and centered on them. And so I wonder if you could talk for a minute about what that has been like for you for the past few years. And I've been watching, like, as you've been raising your voice to talk about racial inequality, and it seemed to me, you just couldn't not, like, I, it just seemed like you cannot stay silent. You just were compelled um, to use your influence and your voice. I wonder what that has been like for you. And has that created any change in your audience demo? (laughs) <laughs> um, or maybe even what they believe about God in themselves. I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. You, 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 we're diving Let's off go. the deep Let's end go. here now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you know, kind of without realizing that um, I just being a Christian in this unique space, um, I started off kind of, you know, speaking to majority uh Black spaces, right? And uh, and and in those spaces, um, you know, people found out, oh, this there's a guy and he's rapping and he's talking about God and faith and and um and I was brought to, you know, some 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 more conservative white Christian spaces yeah. and yeah. um and you know, people we just have a tendency to feel as if we own you know, individuals, it's kind of like, Oh, Mm. Tim Tebow, that's our guy. That's right. You know what I mean? And so, um, so people began to feel like, Hey, you know, because you know, we're fans of yours or we've brought you out like you're our guy. Mm. And, um, and then what began to happen is, um, you know, things started happening in society where, though I'm I'm maneuvering and navigating in, in in both black and, you know, conservative white Christian yeah. spaces, um, at the end of the day, I'm a black man right. from inner city America. So yeah. when when Trayvon Martin was killed, yeah. um it, it affected me. Sure. Um And I wasn't raised in a church. I wasn't raised in a, a Christian home or anything like this. So when I saw those particular things, I just assumed all Christians felt the way I felt and said, oh, this sure. is sad that this kid, you know, I didn't know there were, the church was, there were different political sects, and I didn't understand any of that. So I just Mm. spoke out about what I saw and I was bomb blasted. You know, I was met with this visceral kind of like, you know, he should have, he should have done this. And I was like, wait a minute, we're just talking about my sadness for someone dying. I don't, I don't understand. We're talking about my cry for justice. I don't understand. And, and that that took me back. You know, I was a little confused and mm. and perplexed because I just thought that this whole Christian thing was a safe place and everyone's right. family and everyone's unified and and so as I kept journeying down that road, um you know, I kept being more vocal about it and I saw and I learned, oh, people are really ignorant to the issues going on in right. ethnic communities. And then I just said I I can't take it anymore. Yeah. I can't take the the ignorant and kind of complicit, um, racism or pushback. Yeah. And I just had to start speaking out against it because I felt like that's what God yeah. called me to do.
0: You did. And it was, it was beautiful. And it was also hard to watch, um, because you were deeply challenged and it's tricky, isn't it? When you're, when that's your industry, because oh, yeah. that butters your bread and so i mean you know i understand this i i too have like walked into areas of injustice at the peril of my own career and you just can't there just comes a point where you just can't do anything else there's no way there it's impossible to stay on the sidelines um do you feel like that has altered your fan base at all can you tell
1: Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a a huge drop off initially. You know, Mm. I would do I could do a show in Philadelphia with, you know, 1500 people. And then I would show up during this time period and there were 300 people.
0: Yeah. And
1: and so um, but then people kind of outside of that conservative Christian circle who cared about justice or who just cared about issues of, of of societal change started to to get behind me and follow yeah. me. And it really kind of helped me see like the world is much bigger than the people who are kind of paying to bring me out That's right. to do some of these events and shows. And, um, and so my audience diversified.
0: I know the, uh, uh, the Christian audience is a fickle thing and, yeah. uh, it doesn't pay to, um, to adjust our dials to, pl- to keep it or please it or appease it. And so, um uh, there, there's a bit of a comfort in it at the end of the day, just do the right thing, you know, just right. use your voice. Well, like use right. your influence, steward it well, and then let the chips fall where they may. To me, there's a great relief in it. Um, even yeah. though there's loss build- built into it, there's, in my opinion, more gain, um, mm-hmm. than loss. And, um, I want to read a line that you wrote that has really stayed with me. You said, many times we'd rather ignore the brokenness of our country, which then leads to limping because we've not tended to a serious wound. It's pretty Mm. profound. And I'm wondering if you can um, sort of roll that out a little bit more for us.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I I think, you know, once we begin to marry nationalism with faith, yes. um, we we begin to lose the essence of faith. We begin to lose the essence of love and the tenets of what we believe. Um, because we're, now we're concerned with with winning and right. and 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 by any means necessary. And yeah. so you stop considering the immigrant. You stop considering uh, anyone who gets in the way. Hmm of what you believe is in the best interest of the nation, let alone like forgetting about what God says is in the best interest for us as humanity. That's good. So what ends up happening is you, you begin to step on people and hurt people because you're, you're looking through this narrow lens and, that's right. and, um and, you know, I, I honestly believe that's what happened, you know, during the, the years of, um, of chattel slavery was oh, yeah. that's the culture was just moving and saying, hey, this is what's beneficial for us as as white Southerners That's right. and for us to, to win. And so we can disregard what, what the Bible may say about loving people and about how we would treat people and people being image bearers because yeah. we're more concerned about winning as a nation That's and right. not concerned about people. And so um, you, you leave the whole nation broken, you leave us splintered and you leave us divided. Uh, well,
0: absolutely, I mean, preach that word everywhere you go. It's the impulse remains. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a really easy sleight of hand, um, for the white community to just divorce our current experience from our cultural history, our national history, but really the impulse remains. Um, Mm. which is party over people, um, Mm. you know, whatever, privilege over people. It's just, it's human nature, but it's insidious. It it has a way of blending in, in a way that almost makes it invisible um, to the majority culture. So that call out is important, but it's, I mean, that's just always going to be challenging. It's, (laughs) There's, there's never going to be a moment that you're going to call out white supremacy and everybody's just going to stand on their chairs and clap about it. Um, (laughs) so it, it builds in this, uh, tension and kind of burden somewhat to your work. So, um, that leads me to this question. Um, like having to lead when you don't have all the answers is hard enough, but having to lead when you're hurting is harder yet. Having to create like you do when you're tired, when you're stressed even depressed. It's just about impossible. You've got a lot of pressure on you from a lot of different sides. Um, so I'm curious how you, how do you lead? How do you create? Um, how do you stay creative when you are in a place of doubt or depression or fear or just burden in general?
1: Oh man, yeah. I, I, honestly, you're not creative at all. You know, that's yeah. not a that's you're true. not creative. And so you're, that's right. You know, honestly, I, I felt like I was just going to artistically just bleeding out ritualistically. The art was ritualistic. It was it was kind of like if you know how to play basketball, you know how to put the ball in the hoop. You may not yeah. play creatively. You may not be at your best. And that's what I was doing. I was still creating music out mm-hmm. of ritual. But I just had to say the things that were burdening me. You know, I was yeah. in a deep, deep depression, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, being in that that place of depression which I haven't really even talked about, but you know, that depression and that, that stress went so, went unchecked for so long, it became clinical. Mm-hmm. And, and then that took me to an even darker place where, um, you know, it took God, friends, family, just kind of leaning in and saying, yeah. you know, we gotta, we gotta keep you, you know, stress free for a while, because yes. this is, this isn't a healthy place for you. Um, but yeah, creatively, you know, that's the beauty. God just really began to do some stuff with the music that I never would have anticipated in. Hmm. Um, Allow me, though, I felt like I wasn't being creative to still write and say things that needed to be said. Um, and and they were useful. And, um, and, you know, of course, on via social media, I may have, you know, spoke some truths out of a lot of hurt. They were still true, but it was... Maybe that maybe that wasn't the best way to go about articulating it, but um, but that's basically what happened.
0: Did you step back for a while? Did you have did, did you have any breather?
1: I did. I had to <laughs> step back, and you know what? One thing I started to tell myself was, you know, we we always need voices. We need voices to to talk about the things that are wrong, and um, and I realized I was a catalytic voice in a lot of ways, and I was yeah. saying some of the things that people were afraid to say but needed to say. Um, but at the same time. I began to throw myself into changing things, right? Instead of complaining about them consistently, what could I do? That's good. You know, good. I was I was getting tired of, of of seeing, uh, you know, issues of systemic injustice, and so I said, well, well, how can I do something about it? What can I do in society? And and that began me working to, to you know, work in the city to to do some things, and and even politically to yeah. make some changes as well. So yeah. yeah.
0: That's a huge shift I have discovered when you sort of own your own power and, you know, rather than just being on the receiving end of so much disappointment and sorrow and betra- what feels like probably betrayal, um, to rather um, kind of step into your own place of power. And that uh, is a real emotional shift. Hey guys, Jen breaking in to make a quick recommendation about a resource that I think is so great. A ton of us are juggling multiple hats, career, home, family, kids, and you may be like me when you see someone doing something really cool that interests you. You maybe just have like a a big idea for a great business or a new venture, like maybe a side hustle that becomes a full-time hustle, but you're not sure where to start. Okay. Here is a great place to start. It's called Skillshare. It's basically an online community for creators. So you've been wanting to get it, in, get into photography. They have classes for that. Trying to learn more about how to use and grow social media. They have one for that too. Listen, they have more than 25,000 classes in design and business and more. It's just an awesome resource. You can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a pretty amazing offer just for my listeners. So look. For two whole months, you can get Skillshare for free. Skillshare is offering the For the Love community two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for absolutely free. So to sign up, it's easy. Go to Skillshare.com slash For the Love. And you can start your free two months right now. This is a really great way to invest in yourself, in your work, in your creativity, in your dreams, in your big ideas. So skillshare.com slash for the love. Okay. Back to our show. Let me ask you this. So, you are a dad, you're a big time dad. <laughs> um, kids yeah. everywhere. I'm I I would love to hear you talk for a minute about how you guys have parented your kids through your rise in fame cuz you're super famous. Like just this is a real weird family they find themselves in right i mean like this is not a typical childhood and so um how what do your kids think of this What what is their take on you are they have they been like old enough or paying close enough attention to sort of watch the last few years as you've really kind of pushed and pulled and stretched a little bit
1: yeah so my my kids you know i got uh, a 10 year old 11 year old and seven year old and um and they've they've dealt more with daddy having to, 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 to learn new things and mm. daddy thinking through what he needs to teach his kids during this time period. And um, and I shield them pretty well. You know, I don't I don't put them on social media just because yeah. I think that I don't want them to feel the pressure of having to be, yeah. you know, um, I want them to be who they are, right. not- Lecrae's you know, the, kids. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and so that just gives them a little more freedom. Um, so when they're out and about, that's not how people recognize them. Um, they're just known for who they are. Now, obviously, there's some places and spaces where we talk about that. We say, do you think they like you for you or do you think they like you oh, because of daddy? And, yeah. you know, they, and they think about it and they process it. That's something that they have to constantly think about and, and wrestle through. But um, but we strive to, to, you know, my wife is really good about that as well. We strive yeah. to, make, to make sure they have as normal childhood as possible.
0: Any creatives among them?
1: Oh yeah, I, yeah. all three of them.
0: Yeah, all three nice. Of
1: them. <laughs> yeah, so so how how that creativity is going to be directed? I'm not sure, but yeah. I, I I just so happened to leave an iPad at the house, and and uh, wasn't thinking about it, and I came back home, and they had made a movie trailer, and I was like, what? wait. what? Who, who taught you how to do this? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like what, what's going on here? So, uh, uh, so yeah, yeah, they're that's all awesome. creative. There's drawings everywhere. It's okay, just...
0: among the million other things that you do, you're also an author, which I love. So, you wrote a book a couple of years ago called Unashamed, yeah. and I would love to hear as your as a fellow author, what was that? What was that like for you? What was that process like? Did it? I wonder if it felt any more vulnerable putting that many words on a page and sort of, mm. sort of speaking them into existence, like in a live setting or, and even what did you think about the long form writing process? Cause it's all very creative, but that's incredibly different um, yeah. than what you do in music.
1: Yeah, it is. I actually felt more freedom writing the book yeah? um, just, just because you don't have to condense so much information into three minutes, you know, a three minute, 20 second song or, or something like that. So I could express way more than I would, would normally express. Um, I, the thing about me is, you know, I just was, was taught that there's freedom and vulnerability and yeah. leaders lead in wow. vulnerability. So I didn't have a problem sharing all these juicy details in my book yeah. that I shared. It was in the, on the back end, when my family said you didn't ask us if you could talk ah, about that, And yes. I was like, "Oh, the gotcha. family clause is real." For, forgot about <laughs> yeah. talking to y'all about this. That's so right. yeah, that was that was. Uh, you
0: know. When I have um when I have a book come out, my because my kids could could really care less. But um, they do care about their mom, their own selves. And so we have mm. this ritual when a book comes out, we sit in the living room and they're like, just read us the parts about us. And <laughs> to date, I have read maybe half of it. And like, and that's all I wrote about you. They're not going to read it. They'll have to just find it out later <laughs> in their 20s and they'll work it out with their therapist. But yeah, uh, yeah the ask us, please. my friends too. My friends have learned that they're like, Something will happen. I'm there. We're dying, laughing, and they'll have to look at me and say, "This, this doesn't belong in a book." So, Man. everything's material, you know. Everything's content. Yeah. Sheesh.
1: Yeah. Uh, what was the
0: response to your book? Because that was a new way for your fans to kind of experience you. Um, yeah. Did it looked like from it looked like to me that the the response was really strong.
1: Yeah. No, it was a, a, a very strong response. Um, I think there were a lot of people who you know, where we're just who understood where I was coming from as an artist. And, and the book just further confirmed that for them, there were other people who were uh, on the edge about who I was and what I was about. And, you know, for them, the, the book gave them a deeper sense of intimacy and helped them to say, OK, that I get him. And right. uh, but, but by and large, I think just telling my story and just being honest about the struggles and the, the trials and tribulations um was very liberating for people, yeah. and that's that was the goal that I wanted was people to feel the freedom to uh, to own their stories and and uh, you know there's power in your story. So, there is, um, yeah. Own you it. want to write another
0: one? Do you think you have another book in you?
1: I do, I do, yeah. and um yeah, I'm I'm actually just at the the, the infancy stages of that, yes. um, and just just writing uh, about hope because when you know when you've gone through all the hell that I've experienced yeah. over the last few years. Um, people, you know, you, you learn what hope really looks like and you learn, Mm. you know, what's surviving all of that trauma uh, really looks like. And so I want to encourage other people on how to navigate those spaces. Mm,
0: I can't wait to read that. I saw you, um, tweet the other day about being back in the studio. So everybody's rejoicing. What are you working on? (laughs) What are we, what are we looking for and when?
1: Yeah, working on a new album. So this is a, a very good, um, I'm just in a in a really healthy emotionally and spiritually place, like probably one of the best I've been in, and and that's when you're very creative, and so I'm excited to be in the studio working on an album and just that is uh,
0: exciting. Just,
1: yeah, being is creative. It, how again.
0: far away is it? Is that a year away? I don't know how long it takes to make an album.
1: Oh no no no, way less way less time than that. So I mean, um, you know, I I can. You know, last time I made about 70 songs and then it was just coming down and narrowing the songs oh down and sending them out. So we've been making songs and making songs. And so we'll ha- we won't have any problem with songs. It'll just be when they'll they'll actually see a lot of day.
0: Seventy songs. What in yeah. the world? Yeah, you wow. Just, I mean, you know. I'd like to see what's on your cutting room floor
1: Dang.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's exciting. I can't wait to hear that. I can't wait to hear what you have created from that really healthy, strong place. That's going to be powerful. Yeah. Um, I love hearing that your next book is about hope because I notice that my eyes are like constantly scanning the horizon, looking for it. I'm looking mm-hmm. for hope. I'm looking for a good story. I'm looking for connection. I'm yeah. looking for like healthy places of spiritual belonging, which feel sometimes like rare air these days. Yeah. And- oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm happy to know that you're, you're steering the, the, ship into that, those waters. Um, we need more leadership like that to sort of pull us out of the sludge. Hey guys, Jen here. Uh, first of all, hasn't this series been amazing so far? I am in love with the guests we've had and all their amazing wisdom and insight. And I'm also excited to be working with some really special sponsors and they offer us all these amazing services uh, that help actually extend the insight that we're really unpacking in this entire series. If you guys don't know about this one, you're going to be so pumped. Blinkist. Do you know about Blinkist? It is this wonderful app that takes the very best like the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes for your reading or listening. Isn't that amazing? You know, I love to read. I love books and I have so many books on my to to read list. You guys should see the notes on my phone. I will be 120 years old before I can finish them all. So I like Blinkist because like, while I'm just driving my car to Target or whatever, I can stay informed and get the gems of some of the greatest books out there, like the four hour Workweek*, outliers, *The story of success by Malcolm Gladwell. One of the best, um, just to name a couple from their massive library. So right now Blinkist has a special offer just for you. So here's what you do. Go to Blinkist.com slash for the love, and you get to start a free seven day trial. Okay. So it's Blinkist. Let me spell it. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Okay. Blinkist.com slash for the love to start your free seven day trial. Okay, you guys back to our show. Um, Okay. Real quick. These are the three quick questions that we've kind of asked everybody in the faith series and I told you you are our clean up batter um <laughs> in this amazing series we've had some really phenomenal um just some phenomenal thinkers and spiritual leaders on so of which you are among so here's the first one like and this could be whoever this could be a dead person or a live person how about that if you <clears> could <throat> just if you had if you could sit down to dinner with a faith hero who who would that be for you
1: oh wow sit down for dinner with a faith hero
0: yeah anybody oh
1: man no, it's um, kind of a hard one you know what i i mean so this is gonna be kind of cliche okay that's but, all right but it's not for the reasons that most people think i mean i'm I'm gonna say martin luther king
0: okay no that's not cliche
1: but it's not just because he's a black man i'm a black man and he's okay. christian and he's safe or anything like that it's it's because. I can only imagine the level of trauma yeah. and despair um, that he had to endure. Most people celebrate his, his heroism and his, mm-hmm. his, his boldness. But I wonder about the, the inner man and the inner struggles that he had to navigate on a consistent basis because I, how he emerged from all that um, is really like is mind blowing to me and so that would be
0: and and we don't see a lot of that in his in his writings he he kept those cards pretty close and i would be so curious to hear that too um yeah how he endured and how he stayed strong that's a great answer don't apologize for that answer all right how about this one do you have uh, any any either like a it could be a verse, it could be a spiritual phrase. it could even just be like a spiritual idea, maybe mm-hmm. um that you would say this this kind of encapsulates my faith, maybe even just my faith right now,
1: oh yeah, um well yeah i would I would say, um, you know you are you know live out of love, forgiveness, and acceptance, don't live for them,
0: oh wow and Dang.
1: And, and yeah, that's that's exactly the space that, you know, you, you can be in that space of living for love, forgiveness and acceptance and not even know it. You can say, Oh yeah, I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. Um, but your actions are completely, you know, opposite of that because you're constantly fighting for the love, the attention, every tweet you post that is encouraging, maybe so that you see someone say, I like what you have to say. Yeah. And, and now you're, you're, you're fighting for love and acceptance and approval and, and, for forgiveness instead of living out of that because as a believer, I've been loved, accepted and forgiven. And, um, and that's, and that's powerful enough for me to, to push forward and, and, and walk in freedom.
0: That's so good. I love that. Um, here's the last one. This is actually a question that we ask every single guest in all the series. This is actually a question that I read in um, one of Barbara Brown Taylor books, and I loved it. So um, you can answer this however you want. It can be like very sweet and kind and sincere answer. It could be the smallest, silliest thing you've ever said. So it doesn't matter. We've had it. We get it all. But the question this: what is saving your life right now?
1: What is saving my life right now? Oh, I mean... Honestly, therapy. Yes.
0: <laughs> Same. Uh,
1: yeah. Honestly, therapy. You know, therapy has a—the a, a, biggest thing I've learned is that Lecrae was devoted to his devotion to God and not God's devotion to him. Wow. And and, uh, and so when you are—when your identity is built on your devotion, when your devotion fails or falters, then who are you? Well, when that's your good built on God's devotion to you, that, that devotion is never gonna fall to or fail. So your identity is secure and you're oh, set. Oh, that's it's, so good. And uh, and so that's been the, the thing that I've been getting the most out of therapy. <laughs> it's that's like, so good. Yeah.
0: You're just going to come on the podcast and preach to us. No, also, just... I love it when my friends tell me things their therapists teach them. It's like free therapy for the rest of us. <laughs> like, thanks for paying for that $150 hour because that was Absolutely. really useful to me. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. Okay, before I let you go, can you just tell my listeners real quick like, where they can find you, um, at, where they can find all your like, amazing work?
1: Yeah, you can you can find me at uh, any place that serves good fried hot chicken, um, <laughs> and uh, macaroni and cheese, collard greens. Yeah, you can find me there. Uh, you can also find me on social media uh, at L E C R A E Lecrae on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, and any other antiquated totally. version of social media, MySpace. Yeah, you know, I'm there. Just come, come find me.
0: People are like, Jen, go on Snapchat. I'm like, I just don't want to. <laughs> I just don't want to, I don't want to learn it and I'm just too tired and just yeah. catch me on Facebook. Yeah. Um, hey, thank you for coming on today. I'm just, um, I'm really grateful for you, for who you are, um, for the way that you have chosen to lead and the way that you embraced sort of a vulnerable space, no matter what. And it's just mattered. I know you know this, but it has mattered. Your influence has a lot of weight. And you have a lot of listeners and a lot of eyes on you. And I, I did not mean this in a weird way, but I've just been really proud of you. Like, I've been really proud to watch you. Mm. And oh, you have a lot of integrity. And that matters to me more than anything. And so um, I'm I'm thrilled to watch your star just continue to rise. And I'm grateful for it because you have... You hold great influence over a generation, and so just count me among your fans. <laughs> and I am here for you for the rest of our lives. Um, any way that I can ever get behind you, your work, your family, your message, I'm I'm here to do it. So no, thanks for being great. on the show today. Thanks for your time. I'm just I'm just so grateful to have had
1: you on. Yeah, vice versa. You have been an incredible encouragement, especially during the dark seasons. It was it was just great to see you know, and hear your voice in the midst of a lot of silence. Mm, And and I really appreciated that. So, and and still do.
0: That's it. That's it. Friends for life. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for being on
1: Lecrae. Yeah. You too. Thank you so much.
0: I am the luckiest. This is the greatest job, um, that I get to meet and learn from leaders and artists like Lecrae. Isn't he great? You guys look, if you, if you're new to his music, you are going to want to race yourself to wherever you can purchase, um, his stuff. This is also the kind of music you want to put in front of your kids. I mean, trust me, this is, it's powerful and it's amazing. And, um, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show, my kids go bananas absolutely bananas for Lecrae. Brandon and Ben went to his concert last year and, um, and I'm of course following along with him as a leader, um, as a really important, important thinker. Um, so um, over at Jen Hat- under the podcast tab, we will have everything linked. All of his music, his book, all of his social handles, his tour schedule, all, 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 all. So it'll be a one-stop lecray shop, and you can get over there and sort of explore his stuff if you haven't ever. Um, anyway, I'm just loved having him on today. That wraps our um For the Love of Faith groundbreaker series, Tears. Uh, it was, it's just been so amazing. I've been moved and I've learned and I've been provoked to thought so many times I can't even count. So um, we're starting a brand new series next week that I'm. we're pumped to put in front of you. Um, we are essentially moving into a for the love of health and wellness. And this is not this boring diet. You know, I would not bring that to you. We decided to take a really holistic approach at wellness. Like, for example... We have a sex expert coming on. That interview got so real. <laughs> we have um, someone who who specializes in career health, someone you've heard of. Um, we've got mental health. We've got physical health. It's all. It's really a fabulous, well-rounded series. And so, this is going to be good for us. And we're going to just dive into spaces that sometimes our. We don't talk about it as much as we should, but they very much contribute to our overall well-being. So that starts next week. You are not going to want to miss a single episode. So come back next week. We kick that off. You guys, thanks for subscribing and rating and reviewing the podcast. Laura and Amanda and I are so grateful. Okay, everybody have a great week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you
1: have a great week and see you next time.